I'm not as young as I used to be, which means I can't treat my body the way I once did. In fact, last year's medical checkup didn't turn out the best, so I decided I needed to change things up and start eating healthier. One of the ways I do that is by making smoothies. But smoothie shop prices can be pretty high, and making them at home always seem like a pain. You gotta pull the blender out, find the right attachments, set everything up, and then cleaning everything is annoying, making it difficult to quickly whip up a breakfast smoothie in the morning. That's why I'm glad to tell you about the BlendJet 2 Portable Blender. Like I said, it's portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. That's especially important to me because I wake up before the rest of my family, and once my kids are up, my morning work routine is pretty much shot to hell. And best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. BlendJet 2 has over 30 plus colors and patterns to choose from, so if you don't like one design, there's definitely one that suits your personality. So what are you waiting for? Go to BlendJet.com and grab yours today. Be sure to use my promo code, SuperCinemaPod12, to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the BlendJet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the BlendJet 2 portable blender. Go to BlendJet.com and use my code, SuperCinemaPod12, that's SuperCinemaPod and the number's 1-2, to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. Welcome to the Superhero Cinephiles Podcast. I'm your host, Perry Constantine, and welcoming today a new uh, guest, but a fellow podcaster and a fellow uh, superhero podcaster, no less, and that is Ashley Thomas. Ashley, how you doing today? Hey, good. Thanks, Perry. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, uh, like we were saying off mic, I almost forgot to watch this movie, but luckily I remembered <laughs> before it got too late. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. Otherwise, uh, it'd be a late night for me. <laughs> yeah, and it would it would definitely be uh, an interesting show if we had to do it without me having watched the movie. <laughs> um, but uh, so we're going to be talking about Tank Girl, uh, which we'll get into later. But before we start talking about that, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. So, um, I as as you said, I am a fellow podcaster. I 
am one of the hosts of Podcast 616, which is Podcast-616, on the We Made This Podcast Network, uh, which is a Marvel Universe podcast. So we are mainly talking MCU stuff, but we also uh, talk comics, uh, Marvel-adjacent things, like uh, we just had a couple guests on uh, to talk about Marvel cosplay a few weeks ago, which was a lot of fun. Uh we also uh, have been known to do some comics episodes, which I am a big fan of uh, because I've been reading comics since I could read. So, uh, which is most of my life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I've only started listening to it recently. I just listened to your, your guardians episode and, uh, oh, and really you. dug that. Um, yeah. A uh, lot of similar thoughts about it. And I'm glad that you guys touch on the comic stuff too, because usually with a lot of podcasts, um, you get a lot of people who are maybe focused on one or the other. It it's um, or or sometimes with some of the podcast, some of the comics book podcasts, maybe they're not as interested in the movie. So it was nice to see someone listen to someone who has a little bit coming from kind of the same angle that I do, where it's you like the comics, but you also accept that the movies are kind of their own thing too. So that right. that was fun to listen to. Oh, thank you, appreciate it. Uh, but before we uh, let's talk a little bit about how you got started with uh, podcast six one six. Uh, yeah, so uh, I guess it was in t- late 2020, maybe, or maybe late 2021. I, I don't remember which. Uh, I was brought in uh, through a, a friend of mine from grad school. Um, I am a graduate of uh, Signum University, uh, which is a, a cool place to get a master's degree in literature. Uh, but you can also focus uh, in different uh, concentration areas and minds in imaginative lit, uh, which is effectively a master's in science fiction and fantasy. Um, so, uh, my Jeez, I wish my also- master's program offered that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Uh, you can also get a master's in uh, things like Tolkien studies and linguistics. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty cool place. So check it out if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, but anyway, uh, my husband calls it, uh, I have a master's in nerd. And, uh, so anyway, one of my, one of my grad school buddies, uh, he had done a little bit of podcasting with, uh, the, we made this podcast network and they had just started a Marvel podcast a few months previous. They were looking at, um, bringing in more women to talk specifically about the upcoming Miss Marvel TV series. And he tagged me in a, in a tweet and said, Hey, Ashley podcasts, uh, why don't you uh, talk to her? And I'm like, oh, okay. So tell me more. And uh, I was brought in uh, to the network. And um, at that point, like the Miss Marvel show had gotten delayed, but turns out we made this does a lot of podcasts about uh, a lot of different things. So uh, which happen to be areas of interest of mine, like star star Trek and, uh, and film um, so, uh, the very first episode I got to record for the, we made this, uh, podcast network wasn't actually for uh, podcast 616. It was for their, uh, current film podcast called real talk. And I got to talk about, uh, uh, Candyman, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the new one, which was fantastic. And I love it so much big horror fan. Uh, so anyway, that was how I got it. I got started podcasting, uh, with them. And, uh, eventually uh, at the time, podcast 616 did not have like a regular host. It was, uh, rotating hosts, uh, basically who within the network was interested in whatever MCU thing was coming up next. 
and then uh, people would rotate out and have guests or whatever. And so the podcast kind of uh, was was struggling, I think, uh, due the due to the last lack of consistency. And so um, our network chief Tony Black was like, "Hey, you know, we either need to get some folks in here to run this steadily, or uh, we're we're going to need to drop it just because it's you know it's it's not." doing what it should, uh, for a Marvel podcast. And so, uh, Hugh McStay, who is my co-host, he and I both said, Hey, we would be interested in hosting, uh, but we, neither of us can do it on our own. So we, uh, teamed up together. We formed our, our own, I mean, to use a DC term, we formed a dynamic duo, um, <laughs> and, and started, um, uh, uh, hosting podcast six one six together in earnest uh, last summer, uh, so uh, summer of twenty twenty two, and uh, it's definitely thrived a lot uh, under our new management, which has been great. Uh, so you will always hear uh, at least one of us, but most of the time you'll hear both of us on on a show, and we have a series of guests come in. You know, we'll do news roundups, talk about MCU stuff. We'll talk about comics we'll talk um you know whenever there's a new movie uh, of course uh just today we recorded our uh, guardians of the galaxy volume three uh episode so if uh i don't know when this one will air but uh, you can go check that out if you've seen it uh definitely get into spoiler territory if you've not so you know tread with caution uh but anyway so we you know we cover the movies we cover the shows and uh give you all the marvel news you can use usually about once a month so Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I, I listened to the first episode. Um, I'd actually been talking with you uh, before actually you and I started talking about him coming on. So um, although so we got him coming on, uh, it was tough because he's in the UK, I'm in Japan. So the, the schedules are a little bit less compatible than right. um, in, in than, he, than uh, like with someone in the US. So yeah, we, we, we finally able to work it out. So we're going to have him coming on. We're recording this at the beginning of May. Uh, Hugh's coming on in, uh, in, in June to talk about, uh, Dr. Strange. Oh, but, fun. You know, these, yes. I'm looking forward to that. Cause we're, we've covered, um, the, the multiverse of madness and we've covered actually the original Dr. Strange movie, which most right. people probably didn't even know existed. Oh no, uh, I know that. Exists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was actually, I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. I was actually surprised by how much I, I kind of dug it. Um, awesome. But, yeah, it's on my to watch list. I, I, I've been having a hard time tracking it down, so. Yeah, you may have to go through, um, you know, some illicit Sick. means to procure it. <laughs> well, I, I know uh, Shout Factory over here did a really great Blu-ray release a couple years ago, and, uh, you know, it's unfortunately out of print, so yeah. um, I'm probably just going to have to go through the secondary market to get a copy, yeah. but that's okay. It's okay. I can yeah. find it. Yeah, I had to, I had to find um, I had to find other means to procure it here in Japan. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, um, it's, it's it, yeah. It's one of my my big things that I talk about a lot on the the comic book show and also on other podcasts. Just like I wish they would get keep more of the stuff in print. It's just annoying when mm, that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that's a that's a rant for another time. Um, but <laughs> right. so, how did you get into uh, superhero stuff? Oh gosh, I remember being about six years old. And, uh, you know, where I grew up, um, I, you know, I'm, you know, you're in, you're in Japan. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm from the States as well. I know you are too. Uh, mm-hmm. but I am from a little tiny town in East Tennessee. 
uh, where it takes about 10 years, uh, five to 10 years for uh, culture uh, to hit my tiny town uh, from the rest of the world. So uh, I remember when I was a kid going uh, to the grocery store with my mom and I would go and look at like the magazine rack and they happen to have comic books. And I remember thinking, well, that looks kind of interesting. Uh, and, you know, I was drawn to the art. Uh, I already kind of had a proclivity for superheroes because I was a fan of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, mm-hmm. But the uh, comics were really what sent me over the edge with superheroes. So I asked my mom, I was like, hey, can I, can I get a comic book? And she's like, yeah, sure. And at the time... I found these uh, comic book bags. They were three comics for a dollar. So they were all like back issues from like the 80s or whatever that somebody had put together to um, quite literally make a book. Um, Mm. So, uh, you know, I could get one comic for about a dollar at that time, or I could get three comics for a dollar. And I was like, oh, let's go. Let's get three. Mm. And so I would go through the bags of three for a dollar comics that they had there you could see what was on uh, either side for two of them. And then whatever was in the middle was a surprise. So I would check all of them out, pick one that looked interesting to me. And uh, you know, that was better than me asking for like a candy bar or something at the grocery checkout. Uh, Cause you know, comics aren't going to rot my teeth. So there right. we go. Might rot so, your brains, but that's <laughs> yeah, might rot my brain, not my teeth though. So we good there. That's a little, you know, it's a little more expensive to get the teeth fixed. Right. Um, <laughs> theoretically uh so i started reading comics and i just became enamored with um, superheroes and superhero stories but one of the first comics that really really uh got my attention was the 1984 run of marvel superhero secret wars i happened to get um issue number two in one of those three for a dollar comic bags. And that just introduced me to all these different Marvel heroes. And I was enamored. So uh, from there, it was it was kind of like, oh, uh, we, we got her. <laughs> we got her. She's hooked. <laughs> so uh, several long boxes later and, um, you know, watching all of, you know, this was the early 90s. So you I mean, like the heyday of the, um, you know, Marvel X-Men cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, Spider-Man 1994 is the main reason I love Spider-Man. Um, yeah, just so many different um, superhero things just got in my DNA at a very early age. So uh, I, I kind of jokingly say, because I, I, you know, just in general, I feel very strongly about justice and how, um, you know, governments should should take care of their people, and uh, and if I see something that feels unjust in the world, I point it out and say, no, no, we're not going to do that. Um, I kind of jokingly say, blame the comic books, but really blame the comic books <laughs> because that was where <laughs> I really got the that kind of principle instilled in me. Uh, was, no, was reading I, comics. I I had very much the same thing, right? Because yeah. uh, it's funny. I grew up in a very uh, conservative minded family politically, and my my grandfather thought Reagan was the greatest president of all time. That kind of thing, and. I ended up becoming like the most progressive, like, you know, democratic socialist, very, very, uh, very, very progressive. And we're to the point where I think I'm disappointed that Joe Biden isn't more progressive type of thing. And Mm -hmm. so, so I'm like the complete opposite of my family. And a big part of that was because of comic books, because of especially like X-Men stuff. And, um, 
Now, this is going to sound weird. So you said you came from a small town in East Tennessee. Um, what was the name of that town? Because my brother used to live in a small town in East Tennessee. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So it's spelled Maryville. But if you're from there, nobody says it that way. It's Merville. Uh, okay. It's outside. Of, yeah, it's from it's outside of Knoxville. Okay, okay. My brother was in a small town called Hampton, I think. It was like in a, outside Elizabethton or something like that. Oh, okay. Elizabethton's about an hour and a half north. Okay, yeah. I heard small town in East Tennessee. I'm just like, no, no, that'd <laughs> yeah, be too weird. <laughs> yeah, I say, no, I've been to Elizabethton, I've ne- I, and I think I've heard of Hampton, but I, I've never mm-hmm. been there, I don't think. It's, there's not much there. It's just like you drive <laughs> through really quickly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's, just a, it's just like a small mountain town up there. Um Anyway, uh, so today we're going to be talking... Well, before we jump into Tank Girl, is there anything you're interested in these days? Anything that's kind of grabbing your interest, comics-wise, movie-wise, anything that's not necessarily specifically for the podcast? Sure, yeah. Uh, So, uh, I mean, not for the podcast, but obviously very interested in MCU happenings. Um, My current pull list at my comic book store is actually very much... um, like the only two Marvel titles I've got on there right now, actually, no, excuse me. I have three Marvel titles. Um, I'm reading the current She-Hulk series uh, by Rainbow Roel, which is fantastic. Everybody should read it. Great art uh, by a local artist. Um, he does the colors over here, uh, Rico Renzi. Um, and I say local to me. Um, he, mm-hmm. he lives in my, my town. So that's pretty cool. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, he, he does the colors and then, um, uh, Jen, Jen Bartel is, is doing the, um, the art for the book. It's all really good. Uh, I'm also been reading, um, I'm, and I'm about a year behind. I, I keep it in my pull list cause this it's based on my favorite movie, but I, I've, I've not gotten to stay up with it is, uh, alien. Uh, Marvel's mm-hmm. had a couple different, uh, I don't know if they're different, but the, a couple new volumes of alien. Uh, right. but, uh, those have all been fantastic and I love the artwork in those so much that I, I have requested specifically, may I please have all the variant covers that you all get? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I get like four or five different copies of the same issue, but I'm just enamored with all of the artwork for that. So, uh, if you're a horror fan, if you're an alien fan, that's a book that's really worth picking up. Uh, so give that a, a, a look. And, uh, I've also got Avengers on my pull list, so. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm all trades now, so I it, and I mm. usually only get them when they come on sale because especially because uh, when I when I started getting into comicsology a few years back, I started getting into uh, single issues again and getting them all digitally. But it's just it's just man, there's just so much stuff, so much good stuff yeah, out there, and yeah, it, yeah. It, it it was so hard for me to keep up because I I read like ten issues a month or something, and then I check out a I'd get to a new issue and I'm just like, fuck what happened before? I can't remember. <laughs> well, the, the other, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. So now I just get trades now. It's just easy, easier mm-hmm. on my wallet and easier on my memory. <laughs> no, no. Fair, fair, fair. Uh, the other uh, stuff I'm reading right now, uh, I've, I'm reading, uh, there are tons of different Star Trek titles right now from IDW. Um, and those are, those are fantastic. I am also uh, one, one of four hosts on the, we are Starfleet uh, podcast. Um, which uh, you know covers varying uh, different Star Trek series, uh, the current ones. So that's that's pretty fun, and the comics for that have have been excellent. I've been really impressed with every title I've read. Uh, I also have been reading. Um, 
the new uh, Gargoyles series. I don't know if you ever watched the Gargoyles animated series uh, back in the nineties. I did not. Uh, I, I missed the boat on that. Um, ah, because I think that was a it was a Disney afternoon thing, if I'm not mistaken. It, it was and, in fact a Disney afternoon thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it it came on I think right after I in my mind grew up grew out of the Disney afternoon. And mm. even though I know, even though now I know in hindsight that it is much more mature than a lot of those shows were. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I just, I slept on that whole thing. Um, it's one of those things that now that it's on Disney plus and everything, I've been meaning to check it out, but just haven't gotten around to it yet. Oh, I, I will tell you gargles is my all time favorite animated series. It is at, re- at least 50% of the reason I have two English degrees. So, uh, <laughs> It's it's very uh, literary. It's very intelligent. Uh, I will argue that it is the best thing Disney has ever done. Full stop. Period. Mm-hmm. End of line. <laughs> uh, so uh, the the new comic series that is out right now. It's uh, put out by Dynamite. Uh, it's actually being written by the showrunner for Gargoyles, Greg oh, cool. Wiseman. So he's mm-hmm. also the guy behind uh, Young Justice. Yeah, a lot that... of folks uh, like uh, quite a bit, but I have personally have not watched. Um, so, uh, anyway, uh, Greg is brilliant and uh, great storyteller. I'm really enjoying what he's doing with this book. So, I've fallen behind on the last season of Long- Young Justice, but um, especially, mm-hmm. man, those first two seasons were just amazing. Especially that first season, mm-hmm. just amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think he also did Spectacular Spider-Man, didn't he? Yes, my- I was like, okay. there's one other comic series show that he yeah. did that was really good, and I was blanking on what it was, but yes, God, that was amazing. Spider-Man. Yeah, it was I mean, fin- it was in fact spectacular. I, I need yes, I need yeah. to go back and finish that uh, because I I started watching it. Uh, you know, I'm one of the five people on Earth that still gets DVDs from Netflix at least until they end that in September. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I started watching it, I started watching it through DVDs through Netflix in like 2010 or 2011, and I've not gone back to it because there were only like four DVDs out at the time. So I know there's more episodes than that, but I loved it. It was very very good. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, it's a total of like 24 episodes or something, like two mm-hmm. half seasons basically. Um, yeah, such a crime that it didn't last longer. Uh, but yeah, for especially because. It was funny because you mentioned the 94 Spider-Man series. That was really kind of like my big introduction to Spider-Man as well. But it was, mm-hmm. um, I, I tried rewatching it when it came on Disney plus and it's, it's, and it was comparing it in my mind to spectacular Spider-Man. I'm just like, Hey, I know this one's got nostalgia and everything, but man, spectacular Spider-Man's a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like both, but uh, you know, it's been I like a while both, since but I've yeah. watched it. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while since I've watched either one. So, and I kind of feel like they're more apples and oranges, but yeah, the also when you read the stories about all the censorship behind the scenes on the '94 series, it, it it's pretty funny. Oh really? Oh. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I they had because that. that was like in the post Power Rangers uh, parent freakout. Mm-hmm. So um, Fox News, Fox Kids was like incredibly scared about offending parents. So like the sense and the creator, he used to go on to conventions and he used to go with like the notes that the that the the network had given him and he used to read them on stage and it was stuff like mm-hmm. when spider-man lands on the rooftop you have to make sure that there are no pigeons there that he could conceivably harm when he lands or something like oh, that good grief. Um, <laughs> you weren't able to show like punches connecting uh you could never say that uncle ben died it could, or was killed it was always the the burglar who got uncle ben um it's why morbius drained plasma and through like these weird mouths on yeah. his hand instead of yeah. yeah instead of draining blood because you couldn't say he was draining blood and apparently they thought that biting someone's neck and draining their blood was too scary for children but i maintain that the the little freaky 
you know, clawed mouths on the hands was far creepier than draining blood. Uh, through the, through yeah, the I mouth. remember thinking like, ooh, that's 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 a little. Ooh. But yeah, I well, and there was a whole thing in the '90s uh, where it, it didn't matter what cartoon you couldn't say you 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 killed or you were going to kill something or kill someone. Yeah, uh, like you could not even say the word. So. Oh yeah. It's funny because I just did um, a guest spot on my buddy's uh, Power Rangers podcast, Summoning the Zords, mm-hmm. and we talked about the uh, the comparing it to the the Super Sentai series that it was based on. And one of the things in that is like they're constantly talking about death and you know putting kids kids in peril. And I'm just like, you never saw that shit at the Power Rangers show. Because they would, <laughs> parents were freaking out enough, but if they had mentioned ki- the possibility of characters dying, it would have they would have had like a they would have pulled out the mm-hmm. pitchforks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, all that's a uh, pretty nice trans, pretty nice uh, preamble to get into talking about Tank Girl. Uh, yeah. So, I remember seeing ads for this, like talking about comic books. I remember reading comic books in the in the nineties and seeing always seeing like these one page ads for for this movie. Um, but I never I never watched it until um, until you brought it up. I was actually kind of surprised I was able to find it in Japan, but it, luckily mm-hmm. my video store had it. Um, what is your history with this movie? Why did you decide to to pick this of all the superhero movies to come and talk about? Well, after looking through your extensive list of what you have covered, I'm like, I don't know that I, there are any superhero movies I can name that you haven't already covered on this show. Uh, so uh, I had had Tank Girl on my radar for a little while. I have made it a habit you know, since I was a teenager and superhero movies really became a thing uh, at that point uh, to go and watch. And if it was based on a comic book, I want to watch it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I've had, I've had this pretty long extensive mental list. And while I was maybe about 10 when tank girl came out. And so I, I, I missed it. Also, there is no way my mother would have ever let me watch tank girl full stop. <laughs> um, Definitely would not have gotten um, in the in the video rental card <laughs> or anything mm. as a kid. <laughs> um, but uh, I I'd heard about it and I knew it was based on a comic and I've I've still I've never read a Tank Girl comic, but um, I was like, okay, I I know the character is kind of iconic in some circles. She's she's very much considered like a, a, a powerful a feminist type icon. So I. Uh, you know, I'm like, okay, well, that sounds interesting to me. I'm a woman. I like that. That's cool. Uh, so I want to check her out. I am uh, uh, a contributor to the Sci-Fi 5 podcast. So if you've not listened to it, you can listen to our full archive um, on your uh, podcatcher on our website. Uh, but uh, Sci-Fi 5 gives you five minutes of science fiction history five days a week. And... I was assigned Tank Girl for uh, March 30th of this of this year. So uh, that was my first time watching the film. And I was expecting it to be a little edgy. And uh, every, you know, I kind of took a glance at the IMDb page. And it's, you know, it's very, it's a very divisive film. People either love it or hate it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, well, uh, well, we'll see how I feel. I... I am not put off by quote unquote bad movies. Um, I tend to find enjoyment in them or, uh, or at least like I understand, I, even if it doesn't work for me, I understand why it wor- I can understand why it would work for other people. So, mm-hmm. uh, but at any rate, uh, 
this was literally part of my job to watch Tank Girl. So <laughs> I, I, I watched Tank Girl and I was shocked by how much I loved it from the moment the credits started rolling or the, or the, um, the intro title started rolling, you know, you, you get this, this artwork, which is, uh, from the Tank Girl comic. And, uh, the song is, uh, the girl you want by Devo. And I'm like, oh, oh, I love, I love this song. This is a great song. And I was just hooked from, from like, as soon as I pushed play. Um, so that was, that was how I, I, I started watching Tank Girls. And that was just a couple months ago. And uh, after I finished it, I was like, I like that a lot more than I thought I would. So um, I was looking through your list. It's like, oh, Perry's not covered Tank Girl. Let's go with that. <laughs> Because I, I need to process this movie a little more. So uh, so I got to write the script for uh, for the podcast, which I, I sent to you. So I don't know if you want to include that in show notes or whatever. Oh, yeah, Thanks. I'll make sure to include that. I uh, Unfortunately, yeah. I, I meant to listen to that. But like I was saying, off mic, I completely forgot that we had the schedule today. And then so then I'm like, oh, crap, I forgot to listen to it. And I forgot, almost forgot to watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, no worries. It'll only take you five minutes, <laughs> quite literally. So, uh, but yeah, that was that was how I got started with Tank Girl, and then the more I read about the film and uh, some of the folks in the cast, uh, I just like, wow, this is like almost like lightning in a bottle because you had a really mm -hmm. great cast. Uh, you have folks that uh, this was, bef uh, you know, kind of a, I knew you win sort yeah. of deal. Like this is a very young Naomi Watts as Jet Girl. Um, Lori Petty is from Chattanooga, Tennessee, and so she sounds like me, which I'm mm. like, yeah, yeah, the, uh, very relatable. But my context for her was she was the uh, the whale trainer in Free Willy, and that was the only other thing I <laughs> I think I'd ever seen her in. So you never saw uh, Superman the animated series? Oh, that's right, she was in that, wasn't? I, she and was I've only, I, okay, so no, I yeah. I uh, I am familiar with Superman the animated series, but I was more of a Batman girl. Okay. So I watched the heck out of Batman, the animated series. And I think I've seen like the occasional episode of Superman, the animated series, but not with Livewire. So, okay. Yeah. So she did the voice of Livewire on that. Um, and cause I mostly know her, like I, I've seen her in some other stuff, but I, I mostly associate her with her voice. Cause she's got such mm. a distinct voice and I know it yeah. so much from um, Superman, the animated series. So, uh, so when I saw the cast, I'm just like, Lori Petty, I know that yeah. name from somewhere. I'm like, but I can't remember where. Um, and then as soon as she starts speaking in the opening narration, I'm like, holy shit, it's Livewire. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> and then I was looking up her filmography and, um, I saw she was in a bunch of other stuff that I'd seen. Like she was in point, she was in the original point break. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, she was in, yeah. in free Willy as well. Um, orange is the new black. Uh, right. but, uh, the thing that kind of surprised me, I completely forgot about was, um, and this is a show that. There's this, this meme going around on Twitter lately about, like, you know, I'm the only person who watched this show. And for me, that show is Brimstone. I'm not sure if you know about this TV. No, I, I, I don't. It was on Fox for about one season. It was, like, aired that, on Friday nights. Was it a sci-fi yeah. show? Because that's a, the story with a lot of Fox it's like a, it's like a It's like a, it's like more of a fantasy show. So the story is that you've got this cop who... He died and he went to hell. And then uh, because he had killed his because his wife had been raped and he killed his wife's rapist. And so then he dies. He goes to hell and the devil gives him a job. And the devil says there are I can't remember, like a hundred some souls that have escaped from hell. I want you to go back to Earth and find them for me and send them back. And if you do that, then I'll let you 
I'll, I'll restore your life. I'll let you go back and live, live a life on earth. And then he returns him to earth like five years later or something like that. Um, it was only one season. It was really cool. John Glover played the devil and he was amazing. And it's worth watching just for John Glover as the devil, but also Lori Petty was in it. And she played like the, um, the cops, like landlady slash, like, you know, you know, girl in the chair, I guess, because she was always teaching about the internet <laughs> and how to look stuff up and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I completely forgot she was in that until I looked up the, the her credits last night and saw that she was in that as well. John Glover was a uh, uh, Lionel Luther in Smallville, correct? Yep. Okay. Yep, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. I could totally see him being the devil. That's funny. <laughs> it was, that was my first. That was my first encounter with John Glover. Well, no, no. Um, the first time I knew that it was John Glover. My f- first thing I ever mm. saw him in was actually Gremlins too, but. Ah, uh, okay, fair. <laughs> so when he popped up in in the first episode of Smallville, I'm like John Glover. I did the I did, did the DiCaprio thing. <laughs> <laughs> I do that a lot watching movies because mm-hmm. my my superpower is retaining the information from every IMDb profile I've ever looked at. Yeah, and this exactly. Is only yes. helpful on trivia night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my wife uh, every now and then she tries to quiz me on stuff with like Marvel movies, and she's like, "What year did this come out with?" I'm like, "Oh, that came out in you know blah blah blah." She's like, "How do you know this?" I'm like. I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember my own birthday, but I can remember when Captain America, the winter soldier came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When did um, it come out? Now you're putting me on the spot. No, no, no it was uh, 20, <laughs> 2014. Uh, yes. That, I believe yeah. that is correct. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I went to, uh, so I was, I was really excited just from hearing her voice right at the beginning. I'm just like, Oh, okay. I'm, I'm a, cause I knew Malcolm McDowell. I wrote obviously right. Malcolm McDowell. So I'm like, right. okay, right. yeah, but he's been in a, he's been a bunch of stuff of questionable quality. So I wasn't sure what to expect from that. And then as soon as I heard, and I saw Naomi Watts, name in the, the credits, I'm like, really Naomi Watts. Okay. And then, um, and then as soon as I heard Lori Petty's voice, I'm like, okay, I, I, I'm definitely much more into this now than I was 10 minutes ago. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was, it's a pretty bonkers movie. Like it's, um, I think one of the biggest problems this movie has is it was released in the wrong year, in the wrong decade. I think if this movie yeah. was released like now, people would have a much more positive reception to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, in the uh, episode of Sci-Fi Five, I wrote about the podcast. I, or excuse me, I wrote about the movie. I, <clears throat> I described it as: imagine if uh, Harley Quinn from um, the Birds of Prey, the twenty uh, twenty-one uh, or no, twenty twenty Birds of Prey film, had a baby with Mad Max Fury Road, uh, and that baby drove a tank. That's Tank Girl. Uh, and that was like the most succinct way I could think of to describe this film. And every time I say that, anybody that's seen it is like, yeah, that works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. As soon as, well, as soon as you went to Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn, I'm just like, yep. Okay. And then you just mm-hmm. kept on building. I'm like, yep. Yeah, yeah. That, that's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you, you definitely, you can see, um, it, it really feels like Margot Robbie just she had to have drawn influence from from this particular film um just uh the the uh aesthetics of like tank girls outfits they're all like you know haphazard <laughs> mm-hmm. it seems like uh you know and 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 this is like a, a post apocalyptic type film um right so so i mean she's kind of wearing whatever's handy uh which you know might be half of a 
leg warmer on her arm or or, or whatever. And uh, yeah, so the, I, I really got Harley Quinn vibes from her. And she's always doing something weird with her hair. Mm-hmm. Again, very Harley Quinn vibes. And she's like manic and giggly all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if she's in trouble, like you, she never like stops like with that 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 like just cheesing all the time. She's always grinning, always smiling. And for me, I think like her real power is that. Um, she it's like she's not afraid of anything no mm. matter what like dangerous situation she finds herself in you know there's a point in the film where she's she's kidnapped by by uh, the bad guys and she like makes fun of them the whole time and i feel like that robs them of their power because they know that <clears throat> she's not afraid of them i yeah. love that love that oh yeah i mean all of that was was so much fun um i did think it was a little bit i thought it kind of pushed the credulity for me at some of the points, like when she's going to save Sam in the, mm-hmm. um, uh, the brothel type place. And yeah. then she, she spends all this time to like play around with the outfits. And at that point, I'm just like, this might not be the best time to, <laughs> to play around with different clothing outfits. No, I, I loved that because I mean, that was such a, um, you know, in the area in which I grew up in, there was a very rigid way um, that, you're to be if you're if you're a man you're is a very rigid way to be if you're a woman um and i love that scene because the 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 voiceover is telling her how she needs to dress uh you know if if you don't have your ears pierced your ears will be pierced for you and and growing up as as somebody who uh a girl with like a, a tomboyish nature uh and i you know i hate you know, i hated like wearing dresses i hated having to do anything that made me wear anything other than like a jeans and a t-shirt and a baseball cap. Uh, so uh, watching her just say, nah, I'm just going to do what I want <laughs> uh, was actually very empowering. So I love that scene actually. No, that's a good point. Yeah. I could definitely yeah. see how, if you come from that background, that would definitely speak to you in a different level. Mm-hmm. Uh, just from the story point of view, it, it felt like the, not the best time to be doing it. <laughs> Um, but it, it, it definitely, it, you know, I can I can see that that point of view hmm. as well. And uh, like many things in Tank Girl, it kind of leans on, on the absurd, yeah, uh, or borders on the absurd. But I kind of love the absurd, <laughs> so that's it, uh, that worked for me. Well, I think yeah, I think that's one of the things that really works for this is, which is why I think it came out in the wrong decade because the '90s was the time when, especially comic book fans, were trying to escape the 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 camp the associations with camp right because mm. everything we were so um i think we were kind of shell-shocked by the by the reaction the world had to to batman 66 still in the 1990s and mm-hmm. it was kind of like because i've said this before and I'll, I'll keep saying this but like every newspaper article that had some connection to comic books back in the 90s was like bam biff bam's up comic books aren't for kids anymore or some ridiculously lazy shit like that and so a lot of people uh, uh, that I knew and of my generation, we were just kind of like, we had almost like a visceral reaction, negative reaction to anything campy. And it was, it's only in later years now. And like in the past, like, you know, 20 years or so, that's like started to fade. And now we're just kind of looking back. No, actually, man, that, that stuff was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I love dark gritty comics. I, but I also, you know, I love the Biff Bam Pow. 
I, you know, grew up watching Batman 66. So, you know, ain't no shade on that. Uh, and I, yeah. I got to meet both Adam West and Burt Ward at, at conventions. Uh, so I, I can happily say I have met both Batman and Robin. Um, so anyway, it was, uh, it, it's, uh, I, I can appreciate both sides. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I like, like I said, like that was this, it was this phase that I think a lot of our generation went through where we're just like, Oh, sure. Comic books are better than this. Comic books are more adult. They're serious. Look, we've got Watchmen. We've got Dark Knight Returns. Comic yeah. books aren't campy. And it was just like this over defensiveness that I think a lot of us had. And, and it's only in the the past 20 years or so. That I think a lot of us have loosened up a little bit and we're like, actually, yeah, you know, Batman 66 was kind of fun. <laughs> yep um and that's what this this movie feels like it feels like you know if you had like bill dozier and you gave him like a bigger budget and um you know a bit more progressive ideas i think probably would have made something more like this Mm. yeah yeah um yeah, because the, uh, the the humor is definitely like absurdist it definitely Mm. leans in the biff bam pow uh, direction, but the the content it you know there's a lot of like uh, sexual content and uh, bathroom humor and uh, uh, and Tank Girl is very much perceived as uh, like the sex symbol. You know she's she's you know the hot girl or whatever, and everybody's trying to get with her, and she's just kind of like laughing at them. It's like nope, <laughs> and 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 makes fun of them. So um, definitely kind of more uh, edgy humor while also um, maintaining the Biff Bam Pow. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was interesting to me about that because I'd never, because in all the other stuff I'd seen with, with Lori Petty, because she always tends to play that more like tomboyish type character. Mm-hmm. So I'd never associated her with like the, the the sex symbol type. And then seeing her in this movie, it was, it was an interesting contrast because you see like, obviously she's very attractive. And, but mm-hmm. then you also see that mixed with like, the way she she's owning it in a lot of ways that you don't see. Um, and, and then combine it with as well, like her, her tomboyish nature too. So it's all these weird, not, not weird, but all these different things that aren't the norm, especially at that time, mixing together to form something that's really unique and interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, watching tank girl again, the other night, um, I realized, you know, why, why am I so drawn to this, this film and this, uh, at least Lori Petty's portrayal of her. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to digging into some of the comics uh, now that I've, I've watched the film a few times. Uh, but what I love about her portrayal, like I already mentioned, is that um, she kind of swoops in and she she saves the day, like, and she's rescuing um, other women. Like she she kind of fends off the the guy who's harassing uh, Jet Girl. Uh, and 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 Jet Girl, who is you know played by Naomi Watts, is she's very, <clears throat> uh, she she's she's a little bit mousy. She's she's a little uh, she's very intimidated by the situation she's in because she you know they're being imp- they're imprisoned and uh, forced to work for this big evil company, um, <clears throat> and um, and she's almost resigned she, to it too, right? She, yeah, there's, yeah. There's that she's, thing she's when, resigned. Um, yeah, like when 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 Becca's telling her, it's like you know I'm gonna get out of here, and then and uh, Jet Girl uh, is saying to her, it's like you you can't. There's there's no way out of this. It's just, you just have to kind of accept it. And yeah, it, and and Becca doesn't. <laughs> yeah, no, she doesn't at all. Um, and and so uh, she kind of swoops in and she kind of takes uh, Jet Girl under her wing, and 
um, is almost like this this big sister type character to her. And then, you know, she does the same thing for for Sam, who they <clears throat> they have to go rescue. That's like kind of the the, the uh, climax of the film is, you know, trying to rescue uh, Sam, uh, not only from the brothel. And then and then, you know, she, you know, and for context, if you've not seen the film, Sam is like a 10 year old girl. So, you know, she's she's very young and. um, um you know. Uh, Rebecca, you know, Tank Girl's looking out for her. And so I I really like, like, that's it. Because I, I am the oldest in my family. I'm the oldest kid. And uh, I always wanted, like, an older sibling. Uh, for, you know, I, most of the time I wanted an older brother because I was tomboyish and I felt like I would, like, get along with a brother more than I did my sister. <laughs> um, and, uh, but I, I wanted to have like that 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 big brother that big sister kind of character in or that kind of person in my life and watching tank girl like it was it was like it was hitting that that part of my uh my emotional need <laughs> for want of better terminology uh, i was like oh wow i just i this is why i love this character is because she she swoops in she's like the big big sister that you, you always wanted um she helps you to be brave because she's not afraid of anything and she, you know, and, and her true power lies in just, um, mocking the, uh, um, the, uh, the bad guys. Uh, I, uh, there's a, there's this quote from Martin Luther where it says, uh, if, if, uh, if the devil is bothering you and you can't, uh, fight him away with, with scripture or prayer or whatever, uh, jeer and flout him because he cannot bear scorn. Uh, this is this is the quote uh, from um, that C.S. Lewis used at the beginning of the Screw Tape Letters, so that, that's why okay. I remember it. Uh, but uh, I'm like, oh yeah, but that's literally what she does. Like anybody who who's the bad guy or is getting in the way, that you know, she just makes fun of them the whole time, and I just I love that about her. So yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, one of the things too that I thought was interesting about this was the fact that it, it's directed by a woman, which is something. Yes. Even today, you don't see a lot of and and so I I wasn't I didn't realize that when I started watching it. And then when I got to the director's day, I'm like, oh, cool! It's directed by a woman. And then the and then when we see the scene when um, we're introduced to Rebecca and her boyfriend, and it's like it, they completely invert the idea of the male gaze. And here we're focusing the camera in on him as he's stripping. I'm like, right. oh wow! It 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 reminded me of. Um, Comparing uh, how Wonder Woman, like how um, Patty Jenkins filmed, shot Gal Gadot in Wonder Woman versus then how she was shot in Injustice League, and just seeing like the and that was the first time when I realized, you know, crystal clear. I'm like, oh, I totally get what they talk about when they talk about the male gaze now. Yes, and yes. that that really drove it home in that scene too when I saw it. And I'm like, like this movie did it even before Wonder Woman did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, uh, Rebecca uh, Talule, I think is how you say her name, uh, but she's actually directed some Doctor Who uh, and a uh, bunch of other things. So her her directorial catalog is definitely worth checking out. So, oh my God, she directed Freddy's Dead. <laughs> yes. So uh, uh, one of the things I cover in uh, the Sci Fi Five podcast, I give you like a kind of like a historical rundown of like how did this film get made. Um, and so she, when she was directing Freddy's Dead, that was her directorial debut. Uh, mm. Her uh, uh, daughter or stepdaughter, I don't remember which, somebody had given her a uh, Tank Girl comic to read 
uh, while she was on set. And uh, um, she read it and she's like, wow, this is great. I love this. I, 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 I need, I need to get the film rights to this because I want to do this movie. And so she shopped the film around to a bunch of different studios actually got an offer to do it from Disney, but she declined it because she was afraid Disney would not let her make um, the tank girl, like a true to comic tank girl film. Right. And, um, and so the film did eventually get picked up. I think um, uh, universal did it or paramount. One of the two, I don't remember which, Um, but the studio that did pick it up. I mean, unfortunately, she feels like part of the reason there, there was mixed reception on the film is that um, the studio got pretty ham, uh, ham-handed with how um, you know certain things were shot, and they made her cut a bunch of things that she wanted to keep in. So she didn't re- by the end product, she didn't really feel like it was her movie anymore, which is uh, you know a, a, that is very frustrating <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, from a creative point of view. Well, yeah, so, uh, for, yeah. So it looks like it was MGM. Uh, MGM. Thank you. Yeah. And here's one of the things in the in the in the um, the trivia on IMDb that says that insisted in cutting a scene of Tank Girl and um, and Booga reclining after sex after they'd spent five thousand dollars on a prosthetic penis for him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, you know, studios like no, 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 nobody's gonna do that. So mm-hmm. uh, def- definitely a lot of studio interference with that, um, which is you know unfortunate. There was but, also apparently a scene of them together in bed in um, the yes. theatrical cut, but it was cut from the video and DVD releases. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, where I watched it on streaming, I I mean, you kind of see them like reclining together. Um, mm. They're semi-clothed. So I yeah, I right. assume they, you know, they've been busy. So yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, that's what I assumed it was. So I, having not seen the theatrical or having not seen it in theaters, I don't know if I saw the theatrical cut or whatever was uh, released for uh, home video. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so the, it, anyway, so a lot of studio interference with the film, uh, which, you know, the director believes, you know, hampered uh, the film's success. Yeah. Uh, uh, in fact, this is, uh, yeah, Jamie Hewlett, who was one of the co-creators, uh, he mm-hmm. had talked about some of this too. And it was mostly cut after the test screenings. So mm-hmm. Subgirl got cut to just one scene, uh, even though right. she was originally supposed to be an integral part of the film. And, right. and then uh, played by Ann Cusack as well. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and Hewlett said that the very last shot had Tank Girl burping into the camera. And he had said that it's ridiculous having a bunch of snotty little 14 year olds deciding how a film should be made. They were probably just mm-hmm. snogging their bird or pulling each other's hair throughout the whole thing. Uh, he also revealed that a seat. Oh, and then also the the te- high tech prosthetic cock. And he said the whole scene was very romantic, <laughs> but MGM took it out to be style. We're, we were going. It's innocent, like seeing your mom and dad in bed together. MGM disagreed. Mm, yeah. And also, uh, Steven Spielberg was asked to produce it, and uh, he declined because he felt he wasn't hip enough for it. And this led to the tagline uh, "Too hip for Spielberg." <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah yeah that's a fun tagline to hit mm-hmm. spielberg i love it i love it uh yeah and you know one of the other fun points of trivia is three spice girls auditioned for the role of tank girl um yeah you know posh baby and sexy so <laughs> mm-hmm. yep so could have had a spice girl but instead we got Lori petty um and, and uh, uh laurie petty oh go ahead i was gonna say uh courtney you this may have been what you were about to say but courtney love was mm-hmm. also offered the role of jet girl um mm-hmm. but 
this happened, this filming started around the time that uh, Kurt Cobain committed suicide. So then she pulled out because right. of that. Although she did work as the music supervisor on it. Yes. Yes. So if you like the soundtrack, thank Courtney Love. So mm. there you go. Um, yeah. And Hole has a song on the soundtrack. The whole soundtrack is great. Yeah. Um, yeah it's, it's really like a, a good time capsule of mid nineties angst alt angsty alt rock um mm. I, I really really dug it uh, good good stuff good stuff there it's a really fun soundtrack yeah like there wasn't anything that i particularly clued into as far as like oh i remember that song but but it's definitely a, it definitely works for the film's benefit and yeah for sure for sure very thematic yeah and uh let's talk a little bit about um malcolm mcdowell what do you think of, of how he played the character oh he was great like just just this um crazy mustache twirling psycho villain um a lot of fun to watch uh, i have not seen malcolm mcdowell's most famous work um uh, uh, clockwork orange uh, mostly because i've read from what i've read about it, it makes me think Ooh, that's gonna like kind of push my boundaries a little too much it, it's, probably not probably not emotionally prepared to watch that <laughs> yeah it's it, it it's it's not an easy movie to watch. I mean, it is a very good movie, but it's right. It, it, it it's tough. It's kind of like maybe not quite as extreme as, but Requiem for a Dream has that kind of feel to it too. Where it's like mm -hmm. I watched that a few mm -hmm. times. I own it even, uh, but um, I'm not sure if I'm ever gonna watch it willingly again unless someone wants to see it. Yeah, no, I I I get that. I get that. Um, yeah. So I I mean I I've seen him in in lots of other things. Um. You know, Star Trek, uh, <laughs> um, the, uh, oh, I'm blank. Sorry, it just left my brain. What is the other thing that he is? Well, I mean, something that I, because I, I was, I'm not sure how well known this is, but I was, uh, I, I picked up, um, I got the Heroes uh, TV show and he was the villain in the first, mm. well, not the villain, one of the, one of the, I guess one of the antagonists in the, in the first season. Um, mm -hmm. So that was one thing that stuck out to me in my memory, but also, another Superman connection. He did the voice of Metallo on Superman, the animated series. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, Oh, um, <laughs> it's funny. The other things I know him for are, are kind of random. Uh, he was uh grandpa Reg in Phineas and Ferb. I don't know if you ever watched the Disney cartoon Phineas and Ferb, but um, much better than it's given credit for among mm -hmm. adults. Uh, really good stuff there. Um, and Oh shoot. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, I'm not sure, but while you're looking that up, uh, one yeah. thing too about because Ice T's in this too. He plays one of yes. the um, one of the rippers, and he was on um, he was on a hip hop show, and the host was making fun of him for doing Tank Girl, and Ice T's response was like, "Hey, I I was paid eight hundred thousand dollars for that movie," and then the host moved on after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, I remember that. Uh, Cat People. That was the one I was thinking of. A uh, 1980s horror film. Oh, which... okay. Yeah, which is definitely like, ugh, <laughs> like it leaned into the, uh, oh, that's that's kind of gross. I don't want to watch that again. <laughs> um, well, that's why I said it's kind of yeah. funny that um, that you know I love Malcolm McDowell, but when I saw his name in it, it didn't inspire confidence because he's been in a lot of stuff of questionable content over the years. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, uh, the man's certainly not afraid to uh, push boundaries, and no. and I. And Tank Girl, it was definitely a film that that pushed boundaries for the time, for sure. Yeah, but uh, no, uh, I I liked I liked him as, as this as this villain who's who's kind of sinister and um, you know 
must a little bit mustache twirly, but also still pretty intimidating. I thought he was. Good. I love. Yeah, I love um, scenery chewing villains. So like, I was thinking mm-hmm. of uh, one of our recent episodes. Uh, we did uh, the the twenty seventeen Power Rangers, and mm-hmm. one of my favorite things in that was Elizabeth Banks, and just like how she's just. There is not an ounce of that scene of scenery in that movie that she does not have her teeth marks in. Oh, and... that's awesome. <laughs> I, I, I missed that one in the theater. I still haven't gotten to watch it, but I saw that it's available on Tubi right now here in the States. It's, so like it's, uh, it's definitely going to watch that. Yeah. It's a mixed movie. Um, I'm going to quote, uh, he's, this isn't the guy who came on to talk about it, but, uh, my buddy, Mark Boskett, uh, he had written a review on letterbox and what he said of it was his review opens up with the line, Zack Snyder's Breakfast Club is a very odd movie. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Well, I, as soon as I heard that she was going to be Rita Repulsa and my, at that point, my main familiarity with her was uh, Effie Trinket and the Hunger Games. I was like, Oh Mm. heck yeah, I'm going to watch that. That's going to be fun. And you know, even, you know, being a big Power Rangers fan back in the day. So she takes that performance and she knocks it up to like several, (laughs) several degrees. I love it. Cause OG Rita Repulsa was pretty over the top anyway. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm, uh, you know, I, whenever I, get out she of a is, meeting or something I don't want to do. I like, ah, after 10,000 years, I'm free. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she, she's, she's the easily the best part of the movie. And cause she just, uh, she awesome. got the assignment. She understood what she was supposed to be doing. Uh, the rest it. of the movie, including it. the director, not so much, but she understood. <laughs> and okay, I get this, good. I get the same kind of vow from uh vibe from Malcolm McDowell in this, like that first scene when he's uh, in there and he's telling the guy, he's smashing all the screens and he's telling him to walk across broken glass. And then he uses the, this bizarre because one of the things that's going on in this movie is water is at a premium because of you know post-apocalyptic comet world. Hit, comet yeah, hit comet the hit earth the uh, yeah this takes place in 2033 yeah uh, yeah so uh as of last year a comet hit the earth and um basically wiped out uh all the water on the planet yeah and so Get, getting hydrated is tough. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not sure how well the, the, the science on that works out. Yeah. But... <laughs> yeah. I had, I, I kept having questions, <laughs> but you know, just roll with it. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, cause water scarcity, I mean, like, I don't think you really need to reach for a comet striking the earth to pull that up. But, uh, yeah. but anyway, it, they do it. And one of the things that is, so this water scarcity. And so his company develops this machine that sucks the blood out of people. And, and converts it into water. And so there's this henchman yeah. where he kills him and he stabbed, he's by stabbing him with this machine, drains all his blood out. You see the guy's skin shriveling up and then the, and it converts all this blood into pure water and just takes a drink from it. It's just, yeah. It, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Fun times. Uh, and Naomi Watts was was pretty impressive in this too. Like I uh, I reckon I as soon as I saw her name, I was keeping an eye out for her. And at first, I'm just like, no, she's not the little girl, is she? She can't. She's not that much young for the, for when this movie came out. And then when she pops up as Jet Girl, I'm like, oh, okay, now I know who she is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, a Jet Girl, I think, is is my my favorite uh, character in this. Like, mm-hmm. I, I I just like, oh, buddy, I. I get you. <laughs> and so uh, I, I am, I'm a somewhat casual cosplayer. I don't sew or anything like that. I have friends who are much more talented than me that help me with such things. Uh, but uh, Jet Girl definitely made my cosplay list after this movie. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I love Jet Girl. She's so cool. I want to, uh, yeah, especially when she kind of later in the film, like kind of 
comes into her own power and especially in the scene uh where they're they're in the the the, the chopper or, or the mm-hmm. plane and um they're trying to sneak past enemy lines for whatever reason and she just gets on the 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 radio and yells at the person who's trying to clear them for for landing and and just lets them have it and they're like oh, okay yeah, yeah yeah you can do it and i'm like oh that was great and uh, well, also the, you know, the 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 scene with the the guy that was harassing her in the prison uh she gets she gets his he gets his comeuppance when you know he's absolutely and when he when she's when he's like oh fuck me and she's like how many times do i have to tell you no yes exactly no i love that that was so good so good uh, very, very like I like I said uh, as as a lady, this was a very empowering film. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I I've read that, and you know I haven't heard it straight from the horse's mouth, so I don't know. But I've read that Naomi Watts is kind of embarrassed about this film, but I don't think she has anything to be embarrassed about at all. No, I mean, yeah, even it's, it, it's weird. Even, it's not her usual thing, but come on, it's great. I mean, even still, even if you're going to judge this movie too harshly on on its critical merits, like. Even just even based on that scale, she still does a great job. Like yeah. she's still no, one of the standout she, performances good. in this movie. Yeah, and and you know Naomi Watts, uh, you know, certainly has a, a history of weird things uh, in mm. her uh, resume. I mean, uh, my introduction to Naomi Watts was in The Ring in tw- uh, two thousand two. For me, uh, it was uh, the- Mulholland Drive, which is oh okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I mean that. That's David Lynch, isn't it? That's David Lynch. Yeah, that is. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so I recently just finished Twin Peaks: The Return, and she was in that. And it's like, so girl likes herself some weird stuff. So mm-hmm. Naomi Watts, if you're listening, please don't be ashamed of this movie. Yeah, yeah. I want to, you know, if you ever show up at a con, I want to talk to you about Tank Girl. <laughs> um, <laughs> and if by some reason you are you. listening to this, you know, send an email and we'll have you on the show because that would be amazing. Yes, 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 please. <laughs> um. But yeah, she did. She did a great job, and uh, also, oh, uh, the scene when they're when they confront the the madam, and just to show you like how wacky it is that when they've got her, they've got her nailed down. They're, you know, got her basically dead to rights, and and Tank Girl's idea for what she should do. She's like, "What do you want me to do?" She makes them <laughs> sing, uh, "Let's do it at gunpoint," and then yeah. And it turns into this, and this is one of the times, because like I said, I was watching this late at night. I dozed off at a few points. And this is one of those points. I'm just like, did, did I dream that? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, And apparently that scene was a, a much, much longer in, in the original cut of the film. And the, the, you know, they made them trim it back. I was like, that was great. It was so silly and weird and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, uh, let's do it. Cole Porter, 1938. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Great song. Uh, also, you know, James Hong popping up as uh, Chet Sai, the, the cybernetics yes. doctor. What's a nice little, nice little cameo Cheddar. there. <laughs> <laughs> or for a more modern audience, he was uh, grandpa in everything, everywhere, all at once. I've, I still haven't seen that. I still got to see that. Oh, bro. Best movie of the I year know, last year. Uh, it, yeah, it came out. Yeah. It only just recently came out in the theaters here. So I've been, and oh, I have been oh, able to, go, and so I have been able to get a, to see it in the theater. Definitely worth a theater experience. I, I know, I, I remember you saying on a previous episode that uh, uh, in Japan, people don't emote uh, in the theater, but mm. uh, I have not laughed that hard or cried that much in a movie like ever. Um, so uh, yeah, just a, uh, 
Brace yourself. <laughs> yeah. I think I might have to wait until it comes out on DVD here, unfortunately. Mm. But um, I, I, I will say, uh, even if you have to brace yourself, watch it in the mm. theater if you can. Uh, it's it's definitely worth a theatrical theatrical experience. So good and, stuff uh, talk, on that one. Also, talking about the, the feminist themes in here. Oh, plus, when you're talking about Rachel Talele, I was looking up some of her other credits. She's got a lot of comic book stuff under her name. Like, she's directed mm. episodes of The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Superman and Lois, um, Doom Patrol. It's not a comic book, but American Gods, written by, created by a comic book writer. Supergirl, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, Iron Fist. Um, yeah, she's just done a ton of comic book stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Really, really great uh, genre work under mm-hmm. her belt, for sure. Uh, and talking about the, the feminist themes in here, because this has been... Um, it's gotten a lot of uh, second looks because of the feminist themes in it. Like, uh, this is some of the academic stuff in it. So, in the 1997 book, Trash Aesthetics, um, Deborah Cart- Cartmel states that while the comic showed her to be unheroic or even accidental anti-hero... The film sets her up with this Western, Western generic um, kind of uh, ideas, like the West classic Western hero. And uh, it calls her a post-feminist icon where she displays dominant female sexuality and um, knowing coolness of outlawed modes of sexuality like masturbation, sadomasochism, and lesbianism. Um, and unlike a lot of other comic book adaptation films, this is in the modern Amazons. They say that it stands out as being stridently feminist. Um, and then in a 2011 book called Cult Cinema, they talk about, um, they compare it to cult films that are, are said to be feminist and whether or not they really are feminist or just the effect of the performance of feminist attitudes. And so they said that Tank Girl is a real feminist cult film as opposed to stuff by from like Catherine Bigelow and Catherine Hardwick, which they say are too masculine and too eager to cater to heteronormativity. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So just yeah, some de- interesting. Definitely. Yeah. So go ahead. I was just gonna say those are some interesting things that jumped out at me when I was uh, doing some research for this. Yeah. Yeah. It's a. Uh, uh, it's it's definitely very unique for its time. Uh, as you said, I think it would be much better received if it was released, you know, today. Mm-hmm. Uh, even even like ten years later, I think the film would have done a lot better. Uh, but definitely now, um, I mean, the film is almost 30 years old. So, uh, mm. you know, now it definitely would have been much better received for sure. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad it's out there. I'm glad it exists. Uh, it's definitely worth, uh, definitely worth a second look if you've seen it before and you were like, wow, that was weird. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, yeah. So, and, and definitely some points of it are like, wow, that was kind of a fever dream. Like, you know, the whole, uh, let's do it <laughs> dance number, mm. <laughs> but it's, um, it's a, it's it's a good romp <laughs> for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I, I I would like to see it. Um, oh, so you were talking about uh, the the Birds of Prey because um, Megan Carpentier uh, said that it it has a, it had a strong influence on the aesthetics of Birds of Prey, and yeah, that that's not surprising at all. Yeah. Um, and you know what I. Yeah, I, I would like to see like a director's cut of this because it sounds like there was a lot of stuff left on the cutting room floor. And I wonder if that if that would be a possibility to see what this could have been. Yeah, uh, about 10 years ago uh, here in the States, Shout Factory did a, um, a really cool blue, Blu-ray release, which is uh, tragically out of print. And if you want to 
uh, to get it now, you're going to drop anywhere from like 140 to $200 um, on the secondary market to get it. Um, but it had uh, director commentary from uh, Rachel Tolule and uh, Lori Petty, which was really cool. Um, and uh, I, I forget what else was on there. There, uh, The main reason to get that um, film uh, on that Blu-ray, if you can, would be for the director commentary uh, right. and the commentary by Lori Petty. So, yeah, it's uh, definitely definitely worth um, checking out if you can if you can find it. Um, so uh, also, well, this might be some hope for it because apparently um, Margot Robbie's production company has optioned the rights to a remake of it. So yes, yes. Uh, yeah. And they, she did that in uh, 2019. Uh, yeah. So, and then, and then, you know, COVID happened. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know if we're going to see it um, happen at any point in the near future, uh, but the, the rights have been optioned. So it is a quite literal option uh, at some point in the future. I, I do hope they um, give it another shot. And I would, I would love, I don't, I mean, Margot Robbie uh, to me is the kind of the ideal casting choice for that. Cause I mean, mm. again, it, it's very clear that her Harley Quinn uh, portrayal is influenced by tank girl for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she, for me, she's kind of the ideal choice. I don't know who else I would pick to play tank girl, but. Oh, I agree. Um, yeah. I think she would be perfect. Yeah. Um, but I'd also say that I hope if, if that does come out, maybe we could get a, a new release, possibly even a director's cut. Um, I, I, this, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, but even still, like you can, there's a lot, there's a lot to like about this movie. Um, oh yeah. I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't sure what to expect because it does it. Cause you know, it doesn't have the best um, popular reception. And like you said, opinions very divided on it. So, uh, but again, once I turned it on and as soon as I heard Lori Petty's voice, I'm just like, Oh, okay. I think, I think I'm in good hands here. And I turned out to be right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it's, it's definitely a good time. Uh, especially if you're a fan of cult cinema, um, you like movies with, strong feminist themes or, mm. or, uh, or strong female characters. Uh, I honestly, I, I even hesitate to use the word strong female characters. Cause I feel like that phrase is so overused. It doesn't mean anything anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but if, if, if you like women who are uh, strong in their own power, then yeah. Uh, Tank girl is a good film for you to check out. Uh, also this, you know, as we mentioned, we already talked about Naomi Watts quite a bit and uh how much i love her portrayal of jet girl and you know and this film is kind of almost like a um who's who of uh genre actors who uh weren't quite as uh prominent then but you know them now uh the main yeah. one for me that I, as soon as i saw i was like there he is it's uh doug jones who yeah, uh, yeah. brilliant brilliant character actor um probably known uh a little better these days for um being the creature in the shape of water, uh, got an Oscar for that, and rightfully so. Um, the, also, Abe uh, Sapien in uh, in Del Toro's Hellboy movies, and um, right, right, the Silver Surfer in um, uh, Rise of the Silver Surfer. Yeah, and you know, and these days he uh, spends his time being uh, Mister Saru on Star Trek Discovery, uh, oh, and okay. um, I I got to meet Doug Jones very briefly in oh, 2015 at, at a con incredibly kind human uh love him to bits very very sweet man um just is very generous with his time and uh is a good hugger <laughs> if you like hugs <laughs> you gotta meet doug jones <laughs> he's just a very sweet guy um but uh uh just uh, he he's 
always he's and like he's like this very dapper very like well put together uh guy and every time i see him on on screen he is a critter uh, or a monster or an alien or like in crimson peak he was like a ghost woman in the bathtub uh so uh it, he's always uh playing some kind of character but he is a he is a positively brilliant character actor and uh he's the uh the uh, ripper in uh uh he's wearing like the bow tie mm-hmm. uh, and the suspenders uh, but as right, soon as, right. as I like, you know, once you, once you know what jo- Doug Jones actually looks like, he's actually pretty easy to spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he was, um, he didn't have any lines, but I'm like, Oh, there's, there's, there's my man, Doug. He's cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I'd, I'd seen his name pop up in the, in the, in the IMDb credits before I watched this. And then I admit, mm-hmm. I, I said to myself when I saw it, I'm like, Oh, I got to keep an eye out for him. And it just completely skipped my mind when I actually sat down and watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, any other final thoughts you wanted to mention about Tank Girl? Uh, I don't think so. Just, uh, you know, if you, if, if you're still not sure about Tank Girl, uh, you hear me, uh, I, I wrote about it in depth, uh, it, you know, as much as in depth as you can get in five minutes, uh, for the Sci-Fi 5 podcast. So, uh, give that a listen if you're still not sure. Uh, but I, I stand by, by my description. It's, uh, Harley Quinn from Birds of Prey 2020 meets Mad Max Fury Road. And um, that, that, that particular baby, those two movies had, she drives a tank. So yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> well, that was something else I found really surprising about this is just how much story they cram into us. Like the plot mm. does not stop. <laughs> There's like not a mm-hmm. moment of wasted space in this. It moves from like, so calling it tank girl is pretty, is pretty apt. Cause it just, it's constantly moving from one thing to the next. And it, like, I was kind of surprised we go from, in the beginning, we go from, so we see her in this commune that she's living in, and then they get attacked by the by the the, the WP, WP folks, and then she ends up getting captured, she ends up breaking out, she ends up going and finding the tank and all that, and then, and that's like only the first, like, 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Action definitely does not stop. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, I was. Uh, thank you for for suggesting this. It was it was definitely fun to watch. Um, movies like this can be a mixed bag when someone says like, "Oh, I want to watch this," you know, obscure cult movie. Sometimes it's, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Other times, it's just like, Ooh, that was not. Good. <laughs> this was definitely the former over the latter. Like, I really, I really oh, got a kick well, out. Good. Of I'm glad. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I suggested it. I was like, oh man, I hope he doesn't think it's trash. <laughs> <laughs> Because I had a really good time with it, and, and it, if he if he does think it's trash, well, we're going to have a really interesting discussion. Yeah, <laughs> debating its merits. <laughs> uh, okay, but in the meantime, why don't you tell people where they can find you? Sure. Yeah. Uh, if you want to follow me on social media, you can hit me up on the tweets at least until it implodes at mm. the Nerdy Blogger. You can like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Nerdy Blogger. Uh, you can read my words on my blog, nerdingblogging.wordpress.com. You can also read my words on fangirlish.com where I write about film and television right now, mostly Star Trek, but I do uh, the occasional film review. Um, <clears throat> I definitely have uh, written a good bit about horror uh, and, and comics and things like that. So uh, definitely worth uh, checking out my work there. Uh, you can also hear my words being read on the sci-fi five podcast, which is five minutes of science fiction history, five days a week. And uh, you can also hear me on the uh 
uh, podcast 616, as I mentioned, uh, which is my uh, Marvel podcast that I co-host with uh, Hugh McStay. And you can also hear me on We Are Starfleet, uh, which is a Star Trek podcast, uh, all on the We Made This podcast network. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, we'll have links to all that stuff in the show notes. Uh, so please make sure to check those out. Um, also, our website, SuperheroCinephiles.com, Super Cinema Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, also, if you subscribe to our Patreon for as little as a dollar a month, you get these episodes a week in advance, no ads. And you also get access to the Superhero Cinephiles Book Club, where about once a month or so we talk about comic books and graphic novels. Um I'm not sure where it's going to fall on the schedule, but Ashley is going to be on uh, at some point in the near future. We're recording next week. I don't know when it's going to come out, but she's her and I are going to be talking about the the Charles Soule and Javier Polito uh, She-Hulk series from a few years ago. So keep an eye, keep your ears out for that. It'll be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. And that does it for now. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time. If you enjoy the superhero cinephiles, then you'll also love my companion podcast, the Superhero Cinephiles Book Club. All my Patreon subscribers get access to this exclusive podcast where I review superhero comics and graphic novels. Not sure what comics you want to read next or what you should dive into? I've got you covered on that. I'll be doing reviews, recommendations, and also talking to you about useful entry points if you're interested in reading some comics but don't know where you should start. Plus, you get access to all episodes of the main show a week before everyone else. On all of this, for as little as just a dollar a month, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash supercinemapod, and you can sign up at any subscription amount to get started. Thanks so much for your support, and please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and as always, good night, good evening, God bless.